1: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Cause you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, am is Voss here from the Chris Voss There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate you guys coming in, tuning in. Being a part of the show, listening to the show, making and improving the quality of your guys' lives, because that's what the Chris Voss Show does. We improve your life, damn it, or else. I don't know what that means. Or we give you your money back, and we don't really charge for the show. So, you know, you can listen for free. So, I don't know, contact your local return desk. (laughs) As always, folks, we really appreciate you being a part of the show. We bring you the CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, governors, Congress members, U.S. ambassadors, TV and print Pulitzer Prize winning journalists you name it they've been on the show CNN MSNBC Washington Post Wall Street Journal New York Times The Guardian etc you've heard them seen them and usually they step off TV come see us and go back to TV and so by doing so the as the elite crowd of the Chris Voss show we like to call them you embark on the Chris Voss show glow which is the imparting of all the stories and knowledge that they shower upon you for the the shower hour of the Chris Walsh show. <laughs> I'm just having fun today making up stuff. So there you go. You guys. Uh, we have another great author on the show with us today. He's the author of the latest book who just came out August 30th, 2021. It's called Seen or Unseen? What is your choice? Dr. Clarence Riggins joins us on the show today. We're going to be talking about his book, his insights, and his life, and he certainly has led an interesting one. During the mid nineteen sixties, the city and county that he grew up in was integrated. He and one of his brothers were two of the first nine blacks who attended the integrated school for the first time in Jeffersonville, Georgia. He knew many citizens who were aware of how blacks were treated and seen in life, but he they went along with the status quo. All the, time, all the hard times are embedded in his mind, though it was only yesterday that he attended the school. A portion of his writing in the book derives from over 20 years of military service in which Dr. Riggins retired as a first sergeant in the United States Army. His desire to write was further enhanced during his career as a mid-level manager with the United States Postal Service. A true highlight of his life achievements is becoming affiliated with the Kappa Alpha Psi Phi Incorporate, I think it is. Is that sci-fi? off out the side. There you go. I flunked college. I flunked second <laughs> grade, so I didn't make it to college. That's what happened there. And as this book, Seen or Unseen, What Is Your Choice, was written, the author's underlying intelligence intentions is to stimulate readers who possess valuable insights and potential solutions to step forward and contribute, urging them not to turn a blind's eye to pressing issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Riggins. How are you?
0: one, Fire. I um, Excited and truly, truly glad to be here.
1: And we're truly glad to have you as well. Where's, do you, do you want people to look you up on the internet? I think we talked about on the show, uh, any place you want people to look up the internet other than ordering from Amazon or wherever fine books are sold? The
0: only social media that I'm, that I'm on right now is Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm, I'm working with Blackstone a mm-hmm. printed media, you know, in reference to a website. So the website has not come about yet. Mm-hmm. So just on Facebook, they keep me on Facebook.
1: There you go. And you can find it where fine books are sold, including Amazon. There'll be a link on the Chris Voss Show. So, uh, Dr. Riggins, give us your 30,000 overview of what's inside the book, seen or unseen.
0: The, the book, you know, talked about some issues that was near and dear to me. Uh, you know, like the first chapter is is a nation at large. Now, I know at large means a lot of things to a lot of people, but this it it, it meant to me, that we have some things that are are out of control right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have people that can, that can correct it and fix it, Mm -hmm. but they are turning a blind eye. It seems like they do not want to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. even as, even as we speak of crime, you know, I know there's gotta be a way, you know, that we can, that we can combat this crime. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a firm believer, you know, that if your crime escalate to a certain level, Hey, you know, I wouldn't have no problem with with stopping and frisk, you know. You know, let's say let's say, you know, we give it some numbers. Say if it reached say say 85% or something like that, that's your number. You know, then we then we can increase, you know, the police presence stuff like that. But I just think, you know, our leaders are turning a blind eye to it and people really can't go on with with their life unless we correct uh, you know the crime we kind of corrected. Are
1: mm-hmm. uh, you talking so I, about racial discrimination and racism?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. During the time, during the time when me and my brother went to to the school, as I stated, he and I were two of two of the nine. You know, and and things things were kind of rough. You know, and one thing that I found out during that time that I never knew was that that blacks had odd bus numbers in Georgia, and whites had Even numbers in Georgia. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Yeah. So, so I thought, so I thought that was, that was kind of like a target because what, what happened was when we started going to school, they gave us a bus and all nine of us, you know, rode the same bus Mm -hmm. and that bus had an odd number. And plus it was older than everything else. So I just think, you know, that, you know, somebody saw that and that should have been corrected because I think we were a target. You know, just yeah. because of the numbers, mm-hmm.
1: and and so you guys, where were you we guys living at the time again?
0: The name of the the town that I grew up in is called Dry Brent, Georgia.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Georgia, Dry Brent, Georgia. Just a real, real small community, probably about about fifteen to twenty miles south of Macon, Georgia. If you ever heard of Macon, Georgia, that's mm-hmm. you know that's the largest city next to it
1: yeah so what was it like going through those times i mean was it scary was it you know this was a pivotal time in america where uh, i believe it was this during the time where john f kennedy had sent the the military into to uh, you know do birmingham and stuff like that
0: yes about that same time and also it was during the time when Martin Luther king was was active as well Mm -hmm. it was kind of scary you know i can remember the first day you know, and but it but it taught me, you know, a lot of things, you know, and and actually coming out of that, you know, my brother and I, you know, both of us, my brother, he's a he's a pharmacist. He has a doctor degree in pharmacists, and uh-huh. I you know, have a doctor degree in management. Mm-hmm. So we did. So we did learn a lot, you know, and and when I when I left the school, you know, after everybody had integrated, And i went into the army you know i still had some some funny thoughts (laughs) but you know the army kind of got me on track because i realized hey you know you got to work with everybody you know so i learned that team concept you know it was just it was just there were there were certain things that went on at school you know i didn't think we had any representation you Mm -hmm. know the other teachers saw it you know but it happened you know from time to time it happened a little bit too much
1: there you go. How were you guys treated in school? I mean, were the, were the students good to you, or polite to you, or
0: the the first two years? The first two years was actually hard. You know, oh, wow. I can remember the first day. You know that we got there. You know, they was waiting outside in front of the school for us. You know, so that was <laughs> a shocking experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I had a thought then, even though. You know, I hadn't thought about writing a book during that time, but I was thinking, you know, why why would the officials, you know, allow them to do that? You know, they probably knew we was under enough pressure as it was. But as time went by, you know, believe it or not, you know, we, you know, we gained some, you know, we gained some friends. You know, then we found out, hey, you know, we can, you know, we can get along because my brother, my brother and I, we were both on the basketball team and we played baseball, you know, mm-hmm. so that was a team concept.
1: You know that kind of worked some things out for us there you go uh, you know I when I was a kid I used to look at the photo there was a bunch of cards that were being sent to me for history stuff and I would look at the, f- the photo of Ruby Bridges I think we tried to get her on the show she put out a book recently or a while ago but uh, of Ruby Bridges and I would see the hateful uh, viciousness of just the faces in the crowd That were so against her and and integrating schools and I always wondered what that was like I mean intense bravery and just people spewing hatred at you you know doing you know throwing things at you and everything else and so it must have been a pivotal time to grow up in during that era and I imagine it shaped you in a lot of different ways
0: oh Um, idiot idiot
1: what was it like for your family I mean were you the first to go to school Growing up what was what was your family like and in, in growing up and and how much did school make a difference for you?
0: You know, I actually I had a, I grew up in a large family. Um uh, mm-hmm. that was actually 12 of us. It was eight eight boys and, and four girls. Wow. You know, and and so being being so large, you know, of course, you know the ages, you know, were, you know really had some some span in it. Mm-hmm. Uh but me and my brother, he was uh, two two years older than me. Now he was the second one to go to college. My oldest brother was the first one to go to college. he, he was the first one to go to college he he was a, he was a teacher, he was a mm-hmm. military officer so so and he also taught high school and college mm-hmm. and my other brother he was the second one you know to go to college and he went to a Florida m and then he went back you know to get his doctor degree and a pharmacist. In mm-hmm. pharmacy now i started i did not start college right after high school. I started college when I was in the military mm-hmm. and and actually, you know when I started going, you know I think I spent probably too much time in college <laughs> <to be honest laughs> with me.
1: you know um, you gotta find what you like right you gotta and people you have to find what works for you, and sometimes it takes longer than other things there's a lot of people that go through college really quickly and they don't like what their degree is and you know then they're gonna flip it all around so i guess so what made you want to be get a get a doctorate
0: my oldest brother you know during the time when he when he got his commission uh, uh in the military uh they were they were recruiting black, and actually because he had a master's degree he was automatically Given the rank of 04 in the Navy, you know, mm-hmm. which is a Lieutenant Commander, and it's of course a, a a Major in the Army, mm-hmm. and and so so he you know used to discuss that with me all, all the time. Said, hey, you know, you you're you're in the military. If you plan on staying, you know, what you need to do, you need to think about college. You know, but believe it or not, I had I had a two year scholarship. You know, you know when I finished school, but. For some reason, I just wasn't ready, so I just I just decided to go to the army. But but later on, and that was a a manager that I had. He was a senior senior commissioned officer uh, mm-hmm. that I had, and and when I was stationed down at Fort Benning, when used to be Fort Benning, you know, he told me he said, "Hey, look, you know, you're in a good position right now. You don't have to work at night. You don't have to work on the weekend. And I'm advising everybody under my leadership." You know, to start school, and once I started, you know, it was history from there.
1: There you go. There you go. So you live your life. You've been living it. You retired from the military. What prompted you to want to read this book?
0: Basically, again, you know, some of, you know some of the things that that happened to me. Some of the things that I saw. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I when I when I was at the post office, there was. That was a lot of things, you know, that I saw, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, bragging people in. And I remember I had a manager uh, that only had just high school diploma, you know, but that manager used to always say to me, and you have a PhD, you know, and I'm saying, wow, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of cruel, you know, and, and that was another part of the scene and unseen. I'm saying, okay, I know. We have some managers, some upper level managers that see this, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, you know, they're taking that blind eye and won't do anything about it because because overall, you know, later on, you know, they found out that this person wasn't even qualified and Mm -hmm. the person wrecked the place. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, wrecked the place, Mm -hmm. dismantled the place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so in your book sight unseen seen or unseen give us a good description of what that actually means because i've got an implication of it but let's define it if you would
0: okay i define if i that all right they're, they're they're happening going on whether whether it's in the world or whether it's in your state mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in your neighborhood you know that you know that's kind of contrary you know to what should be happening you know these people see it you know, but they, but they uh, make a choice. You know, to 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 have a blind eye to it. You know, there to you. make it unseen. You know, so when
1: when they see racism, open racism, discrimination. <laughs> that's what you're referring to when you say it.
0: Racism is part of it, okay. but even like even like living in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when you're trying to keep a keep a good neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, for example, let's say uh, your neighbor comes in and the next thing they do is put up a basketball goal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody else sees that, you know, once it start, you know, it could just start with the kids that live in the house next, you know, here, here comes the kids in the neighborhood. And after the kids in the neighborhood, you got, you know, kids coming from outside the neighborhood, Mm. you know, and, and neighbors neighbors see that, you know, but again, sometimes, you know, they, they just don't want to get involved because they want, they don't want to hurt, the neighbors, the neighbors feel it, you know, where the basketball mm-hmm. goal is located. But if mm-hmm. it went not for the basketball goal, then of course, sometimes, you know, we could probably keep the neighborhood a lot better, mm-hmm. you know, even with, you know, sometimes, you know, you go in the neighborhood and you see cars parked a certain way, you know, to me, that's a, that's kind of an indication too. you know, again, people see it, mm-hmm. you know, but due to the fact that I want to hurt anybody's feeling or they do not want to be involved, then then they look at it as unseen. You know, they won't get involved. Maybe sometime if, if, if somebody would go talk to these people, you know, then maybe it would be better.
1: Uh, definitely. Definitely. So let's walk through the book. Chapter 1, you open with A Nation at Large. Talk to us about what you're talking about in Chapter 1. You know, give us a tease out, of course, because we want people to buy the book.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, A Nation at Large. You know as i stated i know a lot of the time when you when you kind of think about at large you know you kind of think about politicians or whatever you know but but it but it kind of take you know things that are happening in the world you know just like our politicians mm-hmm. you know uh, for the most part you know i feel that they do not have our our best interests and and i think you know that there has to be someone you know that's talking their language you know, you know, crime is part of a nation at large. Protest, you know, is part of, you know, a nation at large. Because if if, if you have listened here recently, you know, a protest is, is nothing like it used to be. You know, protest is really kind of turned into a violent situation, looting situation. And again, you know, those those people, whether it's the law or whether it's our leaders, You know, they see that, you know, but because they want to be so political, politically correct at times, you know, they they just let it go. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things in the the United States right now, you know, that should not be going on. And I know it can be stopped, you know, or it could be curbed. You know, but again, you know, we let it stay at large and, Mm -hmm. and we don't do anything about it because because we don't want to hurt you know, people feel it.
1: that, or, you know, maybe they don't want to fix the problem deep down or address it or looking in, looking in the, in the eye and say, we have a problem. It's easier to sweep it on the table and not think about it than, than to try and fix it. Maybe.
0: Yes, I think so. And, and sometimes, you know, I think that's how they maintain the boats and stuff too, mm-hmm. you know, because often As a part of a nation at large, you know, I often wonder, you know, hey, you know, we say these these politicians are so bad, you know, but they get reelected, you know, year after year after year, the same one doing the same thing. Yep.
1: Evidently, people support the way they behave. That seems to be some of their interests and in some of the different politicians that are out there. The, uh, you talk in chapter two about school integrations and reparations. Talk to us about what you're conveying in that chapter.
0: Yes, yes. as I stated, it was stated earlier, you know, my brother and I, you know, we started, you know, at the integrated school mm-hmm. in Jeffersonville, Georgia, you know, the, the first year now, and today, you know, you hear a lot about reparations, you know, today. You know, but the thing is, you know, as I listen to these people, you know, if they are not, you know, at least a baby boomer, you know, most of them, you know, don't even know, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you hear people asking for reparation, you know, and sometimes I I just think, you know, that that's a that's a cop out or that's a way to to kind of get somebody to to put their attention elsewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because they did not experience it. You know mm-hmm. and and I always ask you know well, if you're talking about reparation you know what kind of what kind of standards you know what we have mm-hmm. i know some of the leaders were talking about reparation you know but but there there is no standard mm-hmm. you
1: know yeah i think i was trying to kind of figure it out i know san francisco was working on something and a yes. few different people and and so are you against reparations or are you for reparations or did you just discuss in the book, you know, some of the variant topics and issues surrounding it? I,
0: I, I say I, I say both both ways, you know, because the thing is, you know, uh, how do you determine, you know, how to pay someone, you know, uh, you know, a lot of these people that are talking on TV, you know, none of that stuff has happened to them. I mean, uh, you know, when you see them protesting or or when they're in their group, you know, most time, you know it is a, a racially diverse group, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, that's talking about it, you know, but during the time, you know, when my brother, when when my brother and I, you know, was going to school, you know, it was pretty much, you know, black, blacks alone, whites alone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I can even recall, you know, my, <laughs> My grandparents, you know, on both sides, you know, my mother's grand, I mean, my mother's parents and my daddy's parents, you know, they were, they were sharecroppers, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, would that, would that qualify? You know, so, so so I just think, you know, we've got to have some kind of, some kind of standard. If you say that you are going to do it, you know, I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't, I don't really buy that. What California was talking about.
1: There
0: you No one whatsoever.
1: You talk in chapter five about Black Lives Matter. Give us your thoughts on that.
0: Oh, that's a <laughs> that's one that's not near and dear to my heart. I tell you that. You know, so you're not uh, a fan of
1: Black Lives oh, no,
0: Matter? No, okay. no, I am. I am not a fan. You know, for for one thing, you know, I think the the system was was truly used during that time. You know, when I was talking about you know protesting, you know, I mean protesting was different. You know, during the time when they did it, you know, they, uh, they collected a lot of money, and mm-hmm. people saw that. Yeah, that they uh, they had lavish lifestyle. People saw that, mm-hmm. and the the areas you know that they hit the hardest areas that they burned and and looted. You know, they did nothing to replace it.
1: Yeah, and there seems to have been a lot of corporate money was thrown in. I know that. I think some people. And I don't want to. And and don't and, and don't go Fox News on me, people. Jesus Christ! But I, you know, I they're they're really obsessed with Black Lives Matter to this day. I when I go over, I go into my gym. It's like on the TV. I have to hear it while I'm in the locker room. Thank God I don't have to be in there for a long time. But you know, there there was some financial abuse that took place where the donations went to the wrong people or the the people misappropriated it. And I, th- I think some of that has been proven in court. But it's certainly not indicative, I think, of the whole thing. I think, I think, I I think, you know, Black Lives Matter came out of that time where there was a lot of abuse going on. You know, people were sitting in their homes and seeing abuse on TV because of COVID and, you know, there were other different forces going on in, in the world with very racial administration, you know, saying there are good people on both sides, which, you know, was contributing a lot of it and then George Floyd. Of course. Yeah. Uh, were these some of the things that prompted you to write the book?
0: Uh, uh yes. Uh, now I'm glad you said something about George George Floyd because I did I did want to mention that now. Yeah. Now I I truly believe, you know, that there's no way in the world, you know, that that you should have your, your knee on a person's neck on live television, you know, everybody's seeing you. You know, I I think that was wrong. You know, but on the on the flip side of that you know, this black lives matter, you know, I think that they, they truly took advantage of that, you know, truly, truly took advantage of that, you know, to uh, and, yeah, yeah. And the murder. fundraise and you're talking about 90 something million dollars, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, uh, people are, people are getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or going on a, a million dollar shopping spree. You know, you know, we see that, but there are people that still, you know, to this day, you know, that, that donate, you know, to that organization and still believe in it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just cannot see what Black Lives Matter has done for blacks, you know, mm-hmm. and that's my honest opinion about it.
1: There you go. It looks like their foundation, yeah, it took in $90 million in 2020. It's now worth about the, the end of the year in in. I think in 2022 with 30 million in assets and yeah, it's kind of, I don't know where a lot of this stuff went, but, but that's what your feeling is on it. And and what you think about it, one of the other things in your chapter, you talk about white flight in chapter seven, tell us what that's about.
0: Okay. A white flight, you know, it's like, you know, you're living in, living in a neighborhood, you know, you know, neighborhood might start out to be good. You know, like I was kind of taken to neighborhood where I live, you know, for example the first one you know when when we got our house there you know there there were that was probably a 50 50 50 uh, mm-hmm. uh ratio and stuff and the second one you know that was probably 70% white you know and 30% black you know but as the white moved out you know for some reason you know it, it seemed like it would always replace by black mm-hmm. you know And, and, and I think I said, you know, we, you know, we marry each other, you know, we become good friends or whatever, but it still seems like, you know, we can't live beside each other for some reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing that goes on with the gentrification of, of suburbs and how they're designed and everything else. We had Benjamin Harold on the show who wrote the book called Delusion, Five Families in the Unraveling of America's Suburbs. And they did a deep dive in the history of suburbs and kind of how they're built, how they're designed, who they're targeted to, and then how they, you know, to gentrify over time and, uh, you know, go through this whole gentrification process of of different things. But it it is interesting, and he talks about how the racial narrative of how they're actually designed and distributed and stuff is... Uh, plays into what you're talking about. the The podcast isn't public yet. For those who are wondering, I believe it goes public uh, sometime in mid January. That we were are holding it for the launch of the book. Okay. But yeah, there's 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 some uh, I can validate through what he's talked about and, and things I've personally seen. You know, it's just one of those things. Can so, I say?
0: Can I say something else about this? Yes, please. Oh, 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 really, you know, I, I always thought I always thought you know that that as as you have neighborhoods in a city, you know, and I would think, you know, that that the, you know, city council or, you know, the city's leadership or whatever, you know, would monitor, you know, some of that stuff. But I know, you know, a lot of them they know the makeup of some of these neighborhoods, you know, but these new when these new neighborhoods are built, you know, I would I would hope, you know, that there would be someone, you know, to monitor that. And try to find find the reason why, you mm-hmm. know. Because I, you know, I tell anyone, you know, I I really don't want to live in a just a black neighborhood, you mm-hmm. know. I prefer to live in in a mixed neighborhood, and, mm-hmm. and that's the same way I feel about feel about church. You know, I know I know church is not a part of this, but somebody needs to monitor monitor that, you know, mm-hmm. and and give a reason you know, to why, you know, people feel that, hey, you know, if, 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 if this race moved beside me, it's time, it's time to move.
1: Yeah. So. The, it would be interesting to see what the dynamics are between that, why white people are moving out and maybe, you know, black people are, there's some discrimination or career things their career trajectories, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's something that someone should look at. I know, you know, we had Eddie Glaude Jr. on the show, and we talked about his book, Begin Again with James Baldwin, and we talked about how, you know, real estate redlining by lenders yes. for so many decades had separated us as as uh, people living together, and the more it's pushed us apart, or the more we live apart from each other, the harder it is for us to understand each other and our struggles. and. The other the other issue was, um, I can't remember what it was now. I've sidelined off of that segue. But basically, you know, it has, oh, uh, Martin Luther King, of course, you know, famously said, we don't pray together on Sundays, you know, in the 60s. And, you know, there was a separation where there was the white churches and the black churches. And so, you know, you bring up a good point to that, too, and that still seems unresolved to this day, even though that was, what, in the 60s? So. Yeah. 40 60 years ago. So what do you hope people come away from reading your book? What do you hope that they that they draw from it?
0: I hope it, you know, that that the book will kind of help them open their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, on some of the things, you know, that they see, mm-hmm. you know, and and they turn a blind eye. But I hope but I hope this right here is a motivator. You know, I hope it's I hope it's an eye opener you know, that, that, Hey, you know, that's going on in my neighborhood or, you know what I, I see that every day, you know, but let's do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I won't, you know, seen or unseen, what is your choice? You know, hopefully to be one of those books, you know, that uh, that everybody want to read, you know, especially adults, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, to, to take each one of those chapters, and see how these chapters affect their lives you know what are they doing you know to to make things seen versus turning the blind out you know you got to get involved in some of these things you know there's a lot of people that don't want to get involved and those are the people that i you know that i call the unseen folks but they got but they got to be a part of this fight you know they
1: got to be a part of this solution mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. It <laughs> might have been Martin Luther King that said the one thing, the one thing that can allow evil to reign is for good men to do nothing. I think that might have been him. Someone had said it. So there you go. The uh, it's been interesting to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Give us your final thoughts as we go out.
0: You know, also when I was. When I was kind of looking, looking up some information, you know, I, I, I ran across uh, it was a, a picture of you and a lady called Alexandra Hudson, you know, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because the the name of it was Our Civilization, Our Democracy, and Our Society Depends on That, you know, and I think that's a, that's a good fit for, for Seen or Unseen. You know Mm -hmm. when you when you get involved you know you can change things you know whether it be our politicians or whether it be the white flight or whether it be you know what happened to the neighborhood you know they just need they just need to open their eyes and get involved you know if we are you know to change things, because right now you know i think it's going to be a long time before there'll be a you know there's a turnaround Mm -hmm. Uh, in our society and 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 i'm hoping that as people read you know seen or unseen you know like i say you know it might be an aha moment for them you know aha moment you know to to tell them that hey you know it's time for me to do something
1: Mm -hmm. definitely we all have to be a part of the solution yes and work together because rising tide lifts all boats, so there you go, Doctor Riggins. It's been wonderful having the show and very insightful. Thank you very much for coming on and telling us your story.
0: I'm am so happy, and I mean, I was I was I was dreaming about being here last last night, you know. And and of course, I, I was nervous today because I had you know I had my computer and everything set up, you know. I was ready to go, and I said, hey, you know, everything is looking good. And then when I went to it you know, something happened, you know, my wife saw it, saw it too. And I saw it and I said, Hey, you know, this is seen, So we got to do something.
1: There you go. You got her done. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it.
0: Okay. Um, I think, thank you. Truly, truly, thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. And folks, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. You can get it on Amazon. There'll be a link on the Chris Voss Show. Seen or unseen, what is your choice? And remember, the, 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 the most important thing is that good men stand up and do something and say something. And we say enough with the bullshit. You know, it's time for... You know, their society ills to, to get wrapped up. So thanks so much for tuning in. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and all those crazy places we're at on the Internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.